Well, you know, as we were coming here to the church tonight, I just had this expectancy, you know. So I trust you came with expectancy too. We often get what you expect and what you look for. And so did you come expecting answers? Expecting God's goodness. Expecting that he'd meet you where you are. Something you need from the Lord, expect that he's going to get it across to you through the pastor, through somebody sitting here in the pews. But expect to receive from him. Amen. Praise the Lord. The name that's above every name. We really, we really have reason to rejoice. We are in a series on miracles. We just began one. I don't know how long. I have, I have no idea, all right? But again, the Lord does. How long we'll be in this topic and how thoroughly or how deep we'll dive on it. Um, but one of the things that I want to do is open it up to you guys. If you have testimonies of miracles in your life, be thinking about it and, and have one or two or three or half a dozen ready that you could share. And as we go through this series, we're going to take time and we're going to share about miracles that have happened in our life. It doesn't have to be things that happened last week. That's great if you have one of those. But it can be things from 60 years ago. I don't care. I mean, David, he rejoiced and got all jiggy about things that happened hundreds of years before him. The fact that they crossed the Red Sea. Boy, he threw a party. Right? He rejoiced at what the Lord had done. Someone else's miracle wasn't even his. But it affected him. And so we're going to um, give opportunities for that. And um, miracles, there's many ways, many, I mean, we can call an answer to prayer miracle. We can, you know, there's many, miracles are a very general term. And there's categories of miracles and all of that. And right now, that's, we're just talking about it generally, all right? And I, I think there's been a miracle of people being, being the body of Christ to one another. People being provided for in ways that they didn't even maybe ask or request. The Lord doing things that are above and beyond. See, some of this is just being a testament to His faithfulness, right? When we tell these stories. But Doug and Kirsten, they have something that they would like to talk to us about. And um, so you two come and um, you can share whatever is on your heart in regards to that. Good evening, how are you? Uh, well, for those of you who don't know, we're Doug and Kirsten, and we have the five really energetic kids, other than her who's not walking yet, but the other ones are running around. Um, but we started attending here about two years ago, thanks to our friend Robin Ginder. Uh, when COVID shut everything down, uh, this was one of the churches that didn't, and Robin invited us here, and uh, we've been so blessed to be here in many different ways. But around that same time, the Lord was working in our heart and stirring in us to get into full-time ministry. And we made the decision about a year and a half ago, it was August of 2020, uh, for me to resign uh, from 10 years of public school teaching, um, and Kirsten and I both to go back to school. And we've been attending Global School of Supernatural Ministry in Mechanicsburg for the last year and a half. And uh, there was a lot of uh, questions about, Lord, how is this all going to work? You know, um, shortly after we made the decision, we found out we were pregnant with Evelyn, and there was just a lot of things that was going on. But we've seen God's faithfulness. Um, so much over the last 18 months, and we've seen it through this church. And um, we just want to say thank you to everyone who has supported us, um, just supported us in prayer, supported us with kind notes, um, supported us financially. We've been in- incredibly blessed in that way. 
by people that have just given to us anonymously, not looking to get any recognition of their own, and just uh, showing a servant's heart and a humble heart toward our family and sowing into us. So we just bless each and every one of you who have um, sown into us. Um, when we decided to go back to school together, we were like, well, who's going to take care of our kids? And the Lord brought amazing Briers into our life, and she's done a fantastic job um, blessing our kids and sowing into our kids. So we are just, we're just so blessed by everyone in this room, and um, we just wanted to say a sincere thank you uh, to everyone that's sown into us. So, yeah, God Amen. bless you all. For those of you that have been investing into Doug and Kirsten and, and giving unto the Lord in that way, um, or in, in to someone else here that didn't get up, but I know there's a lot of, of blessing each other that happens in this house. I know because I'm in a, u- a unique position to see it on the bookend things, bookkeeping end of things. And so I know that the love of God that's in this house is what motivates you. The love of God that's in you is what, what compels you to do something like that for a brother or a sister. And I want to encourage you to absolutely believe God for a harvest on that. Believe God for a harvest on it. He can do so much more above and beyond everything that you think or ask. So much more than what is... He's ridiculous over the top in what He does for you. Do you know that? I mean, I'll give you a testimony of my own. I've shared this um, before, but it, the, the story just keeps getting crazier. And so, um, a, a year ago, I had, you know, when I turned 40, Jen threw that surprise birthday party for me. And I, um, you guys gave me all kinds of cash gifts at that party. And by the time it was all said and done, I had somewhere between 1100 and $1,200 that came in. Um, maybe a hundred to one hundred and forty dollars, something like that, was in gift cards, but the rest was all in cash. And so I took it, and I had my I had my eye. No one knew this. I, I didn't tell anybody this, but I knew that I had my eye on a particular firearm that I wanted to buy with a particular sight, and it was going to require a particular holster because of the way I carry it, and and on and on and on. Right, so. I knew that it was going to be pretty expensive, probably around $1,000, maybe more. And I knew that this amount was going to cover that. And so I was stoked because I had personal blessing given to me, this birthday gift. You know, I have an excuse to spend it on me, right? Because this isn't money for the family. This isn't, you know, money for her and I to go on an anniversary. It's me money. Yay! <laughs> and so, yeah, I knew I would tithe on it. But after that, you know, it's going to... It's going to I can buy that gun that I'd been thinking about. and um, But you know, something on the inside of me, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I decided I'm going to, uh, I'm going to put this all into alms. And I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell Jen. I didn't, I didn't tell anyone. I just I put it into the alms. And what does the Lord say happens when we do alms? You give directly to Him, but there's something else that comes with it. If you do it secretly, right, there is something that follows it. He says He'll reward you openly or visibly. 
And this is just a story of that. So I didn't tell anyone that I'd done that. And, and I'll be honest, several times throughout the year, I thought, sure, it would be nice to have that gun. Didn't say it to anyone. I'm not that stupid. I didn't even say it out loud to myself. But what I did say was to the Lord. I said, Lord, I thank you and I bless you that you are the multiplier of all my the things that you give and all the things that we give to you and that you're good. Thank you, Lord. It's in your hands. I gave it to you, Lord. And there was a time or two that I'd be reminded again and I'd just again, Lord, I gave that to you. You know, I wanted to bless you. I love you, Lord. Well, along about, I think it was October, I had my cousin call me and he says, hey, um, what would you, would you be interested? I'm going to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro in February. Would you be interested in going with me? And I said, man, that sounds awesome. Um, what does something like that cost? And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, no, just the plane ticket alone going over there, I know it's going to be more than I'm willing to spend. But, yeah, what does something like that cost? And he goes, oh, $6,500, $7,000, something like that. And um, I said, well, I can tell you right now that I've got a lot of other places in my life that I would like to put $6,500 or $7,000 before I go climb a mountain. So, uh, so no, I'm not going to go with you. And um, he says, well, what if money wasn't a problem? I said, well... If I found a money tree in my backyard, I said, then I would go pray and talk to the Lord about it. And if he permitted me to go, then yes, I would go. And uh, he says, well, I found a money tree in my backyard. He says, well, if I pay for it, all the expenses, would you consider going? Well, if you put it like that. I said, here's what I will do. I'll go pray and talk to the Lord about it. And if he permits me to go, then yes, I'd love to go. Obviously, I want to talk to Jen about it too. So he's like, all right, let me know. And so um, I talked to her. I talked to the Lord. And the Lord told me, he said, go. He said, this is from me. He said, and I'm going to open up some doors and opportunities to you that you haven't even been anticipating. Things you haven't been looking for. Okay, well, that's exciting. And then within two days of him saying that to me, I found some contacts over there. Contacts that originate out of Ephrata. Contacts that are in the very tiny little town at the base of the mountain that we will be hoteling in. Right? Think just those God kind of connections. So I'm looking forward to see how all that's going to play out and, and, and the outcome of it. But in the meantime, then somebody comes to me and says, hey, I want to, uh, I want to um, help you get some of your gear. And so someone helped me over $600 worth of gear for this trip that they bought and supplied for me. And so now we're, we're well over $7,000. I sewed $1,100, right? I gave $1,100 to the Lord. So now this personal blessing that's coming to me personally, not something I can spend on the family, it, it's, it's me blessing, right? And is now just like way above and beyond what I, what I gave to the Lord. But it, what does the Word say? It says if you... Do your alms, do them in secret, and the Lord will reward you openly. Well, I thought the story was over. I mean, I thought that was the entirety of the story, right? I haven't gone yet. I'll go in several weeks and I'll climb the mountain and come home with all the fun stories and testimonies. But I thought that's going to be the thing. And then someone comes up to me and said they had something for me. The exact gun, the exact sight, the exact holster that I would have bought with that money. I was like, what? 
I wasn't even believing for one. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because the Lord does above and beyond more than you can ask or think. He's ridiculous. Over the top in what He does for you. And I want to say this to you because I want you to be encouraged that I am not in some way more special than you are to the Lord. The Lord is an equal opportunity employer. Right? So if you come to Him in faith, that's what He's going to respond in. And it doesn't matter if your last name, what it is. Or what your past is. Or what your history is. Or how much you've missed it in the past. Or how far you've gotten away from the Lord. All it takes is a simple turning and looking and beholding the Lord. And He's going to begin to do things that will blow the circuits in the natural mind. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 51. So those of you that have been doing alms, expect the Lord to just do amazing things on your behalf. Okay? Expect the Lord to do amazing things on your behalf. In Psalms 51, uh, Isaiah 51, thank you. I know where I'm at. And I guess you guys do too. Isaiah 51, verse 1. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, or you who seek righteousness, right? If you're pursuing it, you're going after it. What is righteousness? It's just rightness. Being right before God. If you are chasing being right with God, being one-on-one with Him. So, are you listening? Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look. Everyone say, look. This means to scan intently or to intentionally look. I I really made that a multi-syllable word. I couldn't even do that again if I tried. But to very intently look expectantly is what this means. Look. Intently scan. Look expectantly to the rock from which you were cut. Who is the rock? In Deuteronomy 32, it says God is the rock. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in about verse 4, I think it says, or 5 or 6 or somewhere in there, it says that Jesus is the rock. It was talking about how that water came from the rock and, and fed the Israelites. And it says that rock followed them. Now, I don't know if it's talking in a natural sense that the rock just scooted around with them in the desert and kept giving them water, or if it's talking in some, in the spiritual sense because, you know, they kept having manna and they kept having all these things the Lord provided for them. But what we do know is that it says that rock is Jesus. That rock is Jesus. Well, we know that the Lord, He is our rock. So look to the rock from which you were cut. Look to the rock from which you were cut. In, in Peter, I'm going to come right back here. So I'll just read to you. In 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 7, I'll read if you're taking notes. It says, As you come to him, a living stone, he is a living stone. He is the living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God. You yourselves, as living stones, how, how are we living stones like He is a living stone? Because we've been cut from the rock. We're, we're, we're a, a piece of Him. We're a part of Him. We have His DNA in us. 
a spiritual house being built up to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in Him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe. Remember that series, Honor to Whom Honor? That's what we're doing in our home groups. And I asked the question last week, I said, who would like to receive more honor from the Lord than what we have in the past? And I think everyone had their hand up. All of us would like to be honored by the Lord more than what we've experienced in the past. Right here in 1 Peter 2 verse 7 it says, so honor will come to you who believe. So one of the ways that we're going to walk into greater honor is to believe Him. That means we're honoring Him. We believe what He said. Remember Paul, how that he was out there on a ship in, in a storm. They hadn't eaten in days, in, in like two weeks I believe. This storm was going on. The crew had thrown all, everything overboard. They even threw the gear overboard trying to keep the ship light enough to float. And during the night, an angel of the Lord comes to Paul and tells him that you know no one's going to die, but he gives him some instructions. And so in the morning, Paul stands up and he tells the whole crew and captain, I mean, he's a prisoner, right? He has no authority on this boat. He's in chains. But he's telling everyone, he says, hey, during the night, an angel of the Lord said to me that we're all going to survive, but, and he gives the instructions on what they're supposed to do. And then he makes this statement, and I believe God. See, he honored the word of the Lord that came to him. And he's saying, I believe it. I believe it. Now, the storm was just as severe as it had been before he had the vision. The storm was raging just as much as before. In fact, things in the natural looked even more hopeless. So then he tells them, guys, let's, let's eat. Let's gain some strength. Let's get ready because no, one, no one's going to die. Not even a hair of your head. If they had a crew like me, that job would have been a whole lot easier. But see, apparently he didn't. And so there could be hair that would be like, no one's even going to lose a hair. And then he says, and I believe God. And it was exactly like that. I mean, they lost everything. They lost the boat. They, they lo got wet. They had to swim. But all of them survived. All of them survived. And you know, we're talking about seeing coming that this year is a year of miracles and that we're going to see things. We're going to see the glory of God revealed in His church like we've not been experiencing. And that we're believing for a renewal and an awakening to come across this land. But it has to start in the church. It has to start with a desperation and a hunger in the house of the Lord. And if we begin to honor Him in greater and greater levels, He is going to honor those who honor Him. Well, right here it says, honor will come to you who believe. Well, Paul believed. How about you? Someone say, I believe. I believe. Back to Isaiah 51. Look to the rock from which you were cut. And to the quarry, or the pit, the quarry gives the idea of a quarry, from which you were dug. We're going to look intently to the author and the finisher of our faith. We're going to keep our eyes firmly fastened upon Him who can do all things through us. We're going to keep looking at the One who is greater than the One that is out there or the trials or the problems. You know, if you, have, if you are only looking at mountains, you're going to be impressed with the size of the mountain. 
But if you look to the source of life and the source that created the mountain, the mountain is nothing. Right? It's nothing in comparison to the one who made the mountain. And then he makes this statement. He says, look, uses the same word to scan intently. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who gave birth to you. Why would he point out Abraham and Sarah? Because Abraham and Sarah are examples of faith. He's called the father of faith. The father of the one who believed God in spite of being as old as he was. In spite of Sarah having a dead womb. Not being able to bear children. Never was able to bear children. And when the Word of the Lord came to him, it took ten years for it to come into manifestation for Abraham. And I think an argument can be made that he spent nine of those years um, not fully in faith. Kind of doubting, actually. And it wasn't until the Lord came the second time that he really got into faith and in nine months they had baby. That's another sermon for another time. But we're to look to them. We're, we're to expect like they expect. We're to have eyes that see past our natural circumstance. And, and I'll be the first to tell you that that's difficult to do when the natural circumstance is in your face screaming for attention. Screaming, demanding that you answer it. And it's in those moments that if we can just look intently to the rock from which we were cut, and then we'll be like the rock from which we were cut. The rock that's unshakable. The rock that's unmovable. Peter, he said it this way, he said, and in Romans 9.33, Paul said it this way as well, when he said, see I lay in Zion, a chosen, honored cornerstone, the one who believes in Him will never be put to shame. Well, in Isaiah, it says it a little bit differently. In Isaiah 28, verse 16, it says, therefore the Lord God said, look, I have laid a stone in Zion. A tested stone. A precious stone. A sure foundation. And the one who believes will be unshakable. Or a little better translation would be, the one who believes will not act hastily. Will not act hastily. That's a literal translation of it in Isaiah 28.16. That's the verse that Paul was quoting in Romans 9.33. That's the verse that Peter was quoting in 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse 7 or wherever it was. And... But they changed it from will not act hastily or will not act in panic. They changed it to will not be put to shame. Or the word means dishonor. Will not be dishonored. Will not be put to shame. And doesn't it say in Romans, if you believe on the Lord, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will not be put to shame. Will not be ashamed. Will not be dishonored. See, the Lord cares about His reputation. He cares about His promise. He cares about the Word that He gave to you and I. I remember when I was a young man, as long as I can remember from my earliest days up until I was probably 18 or 19, our house was heated by a wood furnace. And so that was our only source of heat. And so we had this furnace hooked up to like a central air system in the house. And, and it worked real well. But we had to chop a lot of wood for it. And my, my grandparents' house was heated by wood. The church house was heated by wood. Same systems. My, my uncle's two uncles' houses were heated the same way. So we made a lot of firewood is what I'm trying to get around to. 
And we would get together and we would cut down, you know, find an old dead tree, cut it down. We had this great uh, wood splitter that we'd hook onto the back of the tractor. It was run by hydraulics and we could just split a load of wood in no time at all. And so we would regularly, every year, we would make dump truck loads of wood, take them and dump them at our different properties. And then, you know, since it's at our property, then I would have to stack it all up and do all of that. Well, every year we would wind up with a number of pieces that the wood splitter couldn't split. They were maybe had knots in them at the wrong place. And, and that thing was, I mean... Anyone that ever came around and helped us was really impressed with that machine. But occasionally we'd find pieces that that thing could not split. So we'd just load those things up and dump them off at whoever's place and they're going to split it with a mall. We would also, if there was a tree on our personal property that was dead, we'd cut it down and bring it. And a lot of times on, when that would happen, the wood splitter wasn't there. And so I would have the whole tree trunk to split. And so I regularly would go out there in the morning, I'd start the fire, I'd do the chores, I'd come in, and I'd split a day or two's worth of wood, several days' worth of wood, until the entire thing was all split. And at first that'll wear you out, right? But pretty soon you get a rhythm and it becomes just a nice morning workout. And when you're out there in the cold, frosty air, and, and, but you're hot, so you take your coat off, you're swinging the mall, it's, it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. But there was pieces that that splitter wouldn't split. And those things there were stubborn. You didn't just hit it and crack. It flies in half and, you know, you keep working through it. You had to, you would take that log, because that's what it was, a round tree trunk, and you'd set it down and you'd study it and say, try to look for a weak spot on that thing. And then we'd take the maul, right? And swing it and thud, and the sucker would just bounce off of it. Wouldn't make a crack, nothing, just dunk. And so you'd hit it again, dunk, hit it again, dunk, hit it again, dunk. Maybe move to the other side and start making a line of dunks across that log, right? A line of the things not splitting. But I know something. I know that with persistence, and if I continually take the Word of God and smash that problem with it, and smash that problem with it, I know I'm going to get a result. I know the problem is going to break if I'll just stay persistent. And I'm telling you, there were some of them that I began to doubt. And I began to, boy, I don't know. I don't know if this thing's splittable. You know, as a 14-year-old out there swinging a sledgehammer, try this angle, try that angle, try this angle. And you know, the Lord said to Jeremiah, He said, it's not my word like a hammer that smashes and pulverizes the rock. I want you to see that maul that I was swinging as, as the word. And the log is the problem or the rock. And so often, it, when we come up against the problem and after two or three swings and it doesn't crack, it doesn't break, we're tempted to give up and think, well, it's not working. But if we'll just have a little bit of faith. Didn't Jesus say a little bit of faith? The size of a mustard seed. You could split mountains let alone a log. And so, look at that thing. There was a few of them that it took me several days. I'd give up because I'd wear out. Get tired. So I'd give up and go get another one. Yeah, this one here looks like it'll split. Work on it. Yeah, split it. There. Satisfied. I whooped something. Leave it until tomorrow, right? Work on a smaller problem. And come back. But you know, the thing about problems, they just have a propensity to stick around. 
They just tend to be there again tomorrow. And sure enough, go out there tomorrow, that thing's still there, still stubborn as all get out. And so I'd work at it again. And the thing was, is after hitting it repeatedly and seemingly getting no result, I would begin to see a faint, I think I'm seeing a crack. I think I'm seeing some headway. And see, that's what I'm seeing in 2022. I am seeing a crack into the supernatural. A crack that we've been stubbornly hammering away at and saying, I know that the Word of God works exactly like it says it does. But we haven't always gotten the results, right? That, that we wanted to see. And the thing that, even this week, in a matter of life and death, right? A miracle that I was believing for, it didn't happen the way I was believing. And so we, we got, we examined things, we examined, well, was I, was I not in faith? And there's different things to look at. And, and maybe we'll even in this series do a sermon on why didn't it work? That's not the sermon tonight. But what I want to show you is that tonight, even, even there was days that I failed, but I come back and I can see there's a crack forming here. So let's work at that spot. Let's just keep wailing away with the Word of God. Keep, take a better grip on the, on the handle and swing it and whap, whap. And suddenly, 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 you know, a lot of miracles aren't stretched out over weeks and months. They happen in suddenlies. They happen in suddenly. You're persistent. You refuse to give up. You continue to stand on the Word of God. You know it's my only, it's my only hope. If I don't use the Word of God on this log, nothing's going to split it. We already tried the tractor and hydraulic press and it couldn't do it. So how else am I going to? The Word of God. Swing the Word of God. And usually, on these really stubborn ones, when they finally would split, they would fly apart. There's an energy and a bound upness inside of them that when you finally get the thing to break, it'll spring apart. And you wouldn't want someone to stand on either side of it, right? They could get hurt. And so, in the same way, when we come up against our problem, we're going to grab the Word of God. And you know, in Hebrews it says the Word of God is quick and alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder, even from joint and marrow. Things that don't seem like there's a place to divide them from. And thoughts and intent of the heart that it can divide all these things. We're going to just take the Word of God and continually hammer away at what we know. You know, if we'll get caught up in wondering why didn't it work, and and again, this is going to be a later sermon, right? But I give you some hors d'oeuvres for it. Why didn't it work? If we continually are looking at why didn't it work, I'm going to I'm going to encourage you to do something that I did this week because Jen asked me the question: Well, why didn't it work? What happened? What happened? I said I don't know what happened, but I do know this: I can look at dozens of times in my life where it did happen. And I don't always have the answer about why something doesn't happen, but I can look back at examples where it did happen. And I can study those and say and encourage myself with what the Lord did in the past. And I know that time it worked, and that time, and that time, and that time, and all of these times, you know, the Lord did it this way this time, and this way that time, and, and I look at those and make those my focal point. Make what the Lord did my focal point rather than what didn't happen. You know, using the sledgehammer of the Word. 
pulverizing even rock. The Lord said, My word, my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty. Let's say that together. The Lord's word will not return to him empty, but it will accomplish what he pleases, and it will prosper in what he sent it to do. This is what the Lord said about himself. My word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in what I send it to do. It will prosper in what I send it to do. Sometimes you have to hit it three or four times, or maybe a dozen times, but it's going to prosper in what it was sent to do. Let's go over to Luke chapter 6. Look intently to the rock from which you were cut. Someone say, I'm looking. At the rock, the rock from which I was cut. In Luke chapter 6, remember King Nebuchadnezzar? Daniel and his three friends. They're just, they've come in, they've, they've, for three years they've been turned into Babylonians. Right, assimilated into the culture and into the literature and into the language and all these different things. And then, then they were appointed as some of the wise men. And they were the wisest of all the wise men and all of that. And then King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, but he can't remember the dream. And so he tells the wise men, tell me what I dreamed. And they're like, yeah, yeah. tell us what you dreamed and we'll tell it what it, what, what it means. And he's like, you, nope, nope, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to gain more time and all this stuff. And finally he threatens their life. And says, you know, enough. I've had enough. All of you off with your head. And they come out to Daniel's house to uh, lift his head off his shoulders. And Daniel's like, what? Apparently he didn't know about it. What's going on? And so he says, take me to the king. And so he comes into Nebuchadnezzar and he says, look, give me some time and I will be able to, the Lord will show me. And I will tell you what you've dreamed and what it means. And so he goes home and they, and they pray and they cry out to the Lord. They're desperate. They can't come up with an answer themselves. You could invent stories all night long and not guess right. And so their only, their only hope is the Lord. And sure enough, in the night, the Lord gives him the answer. So tomorrow he runs back and he begins to tell the king, here's what you dreamed. And he describes this statue that the king saw. And now this statue represented all different kinds of kingdoms that were going to be coming. Earthly kingdoms. And the statue was made of, of different metals and different materials and, and bronze and iron and then clay in the feet and all of these things. And he describes all of this to the king. And then he says this, while you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Is not my word like a hammer that smashes the rock? Smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. And then a little bit later he goes on and he explains what it all means and how those kingdoms were earthly kingdoms, the iron, the gold, the clay. And then he says... In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. A kingdom that will never be destroyed. Someone say, a kingdom that will never be destroyed. 
He says, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. And he goes on and he explains that rock you saw that was cut out without hands, that's the kingdom. Smashing all the power, all the glory of the devil. I mean, there's Scripture that says this is the reason Jesus came. To destroy the works of the devil. It's the devil's least favorite Bible verse. So if you're ever in the devil's house, take it and put it on his fridge. Get him to look at it. Think past what I'm saying. Sometimes you have to remind him whose you are and where he is. Defeated. Underneath your feet. Didn't Jesus... He went around preaching and He said, you know, when you go out and you heal and you do all these miracles, tell people that the kingdom of heaven, that kingdom cut out without rock, that smashed all the other kingdoms, that had authority over the whole earth, that turned into a mighty mountain kingdom, the kingdom you and I are in. Jesus said, tell them that kingdom is at hand. When you see those mighty works, mighty deeds being done. Tell them that kingdom is at hand. The rock. Did you find Luke uh, Luke 6 yet? In verse 46. uh, 47, I'm sorry. Luke 46, 47. I will show you what someone is like. Jesus is the one speaking here. I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. So there's, there's three things that we must do. We have to come. We have to hear intelligently with the intention to do them. And then we have to act on them. He said he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against the house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed. And the destruction of that house was great. So both men heard. Both men had the exact same tools and equipment available to them. Both men lived along the same riverbank. Both men got hit by the same storm. One survived, one didn't. Or at least one guy's house survived and the other guy's house didn't. One acted with the tools and the knowledge that he had and the other one didn't. Now here's what I want you to see in verse 48. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. Say, dug deep. You don't dig deep without effort. It doesn't say dug shallowly. Made some scrapes on the ground. Didn't take much effort. Dug deep implies there was sweat. There was dedication to it. There was stick to right? He didn't give up and quit. But he kept digging. And he kept digging. Because there was something he was looking for. He was looking for a sure foundation. He was looking for a rock that he could build on that's, so that he cannot be shaken. And he's looking and he's digging and he's digging and he's digging, digging with a confident expectation that he's going to find. He's going to find rock. He's going to find bedrock. The rock to build upon. 
And how many times do you and I, you know, we, we want to receive miracles. We believe that, you know, the time and the season is here and is ripe for a move of God to sweep across this world and nation and land. And yet, we aren't necessarily always willing to dig deep. After one day of digging, we go, yeah, I don't know. And we give up. You know, he dug deep. He had a vision. Both were men of vision. Both were going to dig a house. One dug deep. And the other one just walked out and said, meh, that looks like it's too hard. See how deep that guy over there had to dig to get to bedrock? I mean, this here ground here where we're building this, this hasn't flooded in hundreds of years. There's no known record that this ground has ever been underwater or flooded. It's going to be fine. I mean, with our mild climate that we have, it's going to be fine. Just bring me all the stuff and I'll build it right here. On the, we don't need to dig all that, do all that hard work and waste time and spend weeks out there digging. And I'm sure that, you know, it was probably not the easiest digging in the world. But yet, the storm did come. And here's the thing. The storm is going to come to all of us. Some of us have experienced storms. Some of us are in the middle of a storm. Some of us... But the one thing that's, that all of us are going to face is more storms. Jesus promised it. He said, you're going to have trouble. It's going to get rough. And you know what? Be of good cheer. Take heart. I've overcome it. And He, he didn't leave you out there to face it on, on our own. So this guy digs and he digs and he puts in the effort. He builds his house. He lays the foundation on the rock. And the river, apparently, it was quite vehement when it came and rose and came over the banks and crashed against that house. Not just gentle easing flood, but I mean it was like poof, hit that house and that house just poof, unshakable stood right there. See, if we want to have a house that's unshakable, we've got to be on the rock. And then even when the storm hits, and the storm will hit, things don't always go the way we think that they ought to. And when the storm does hit, you can be an unshakable one. You can be there and say, you know, I don't know. I don't understand why this storm is here right now. But all I know is that I'm still standing. I'm still in the rock. I am fastened to the rock. I've become a part of the rock. Go over to Psalms 18. You know, I can look back into my life and I can see a number of times, a number of miracles that I've experienced in my life. And I can see common principles and common things in almost all of them. Things that were similar to the other situations. Things that I did and stood on the Word and, and just believed God. All right, um, Things like being desperate. Finding myself in a desperate place. And, and finding where the Word applies to the situation. And then taking the Word and speaking it to the situation. I can find a lot of things that are the same. We did it this way, it worked. We did it this way, it worked. These things are common threads that we see. Then there's times that maybe you don't have it all polished and put together and you just, you know, ugly cry out to the Lord. Help. Help, Lord. I need help. In fact, we shouldn't be in Psalms 18 yet. Let's go to Psalm 66. Um, six, 62. No, that's not right either. Psalms 41. Actually, you go to Psalms 8, you, you go to Psalms 18 and I'll talk to you about Psalms 41. How's that? In 2000 and 
seven or eight, we were building some apartment buildings. And we were doing the infrastructure um, work at the place. And so we had a, a big excavator sitting there. It was like a 320 cat. So it was a big machine. And we had to extend the city sewer line. It was a cul-de-sac. We were working off a cul-de-sac. And so we had to extend the city street and extend the city sewer line and put in another whole manhole and all of that that goes with that, right, on, the, on our property because we were building a multi-housing complex around the end and they wanted us to extend the city street out there and not have it not be private property. So we're doing all this work and we're working into the side of a hill and in the side of the hill that we're working in, in Colorado it has a very unique soil in, in certain places that is a shale-like soil. And once you get into the shale, you can get into groundwater pretty quickly and water will just come running out of the ground kind of like a spring. And in Colorado, they have flood irrigation everywhere and canals running everywhere because it doesn't rain hardly very much. And um, so the ground soaks up a lot of that water that's flowing all over the place, right? And the groundwater comes up, the level in the ground, where, how deep you have to dig to get the water isn't very deep. It's, it's not as deep as like here in Pennsylvania. And so in this process, I had um, several people working for me and the manager that I had hired out there, he, um, I was there working with him for several days and we began, we dug the hole to put in the, the, uh, the, the manhole and we dug that first. And because there was so much groundwater coming out of, as we dig the trench and dug down, coming out of the sides of our trench, it would just keep caving off and caving off and caving off until finally our hole is just becoming huge. Like our huge excavator can't even reach out to the spot we need to be. So now we have to dig down a whole level like you would, you know, at a gravel quarry. You go down level by level by level to make so we can get out and do what we need to do. And, and it has just turned into an absolute royal mess. And we have uh, several sump pumps sitting down in there. We've rented and they're pumping water out as fast as it can. Well, now it came time to dig out to the city sewer line and to dig a long trench. You know, it was, I don't know, maybe 100 feet long. It wasn't terribly long. And um, probably even less than that, maybe 70 feet. And we were using a 24-inch wide bucket. So we're going to dig a 24-inch trench, but it's deep. It's going to be about... Um, I don't know, someone, something like that. And they're going to do that when I'm not there. So they're going to be short a man. All right. So they got three guys working and they dig the trench and just immediate problems, just caving off, caving off. They can't keep ahead of it. And so they go and rent what they call shoring. And it's these huge metal things you put down in so that you can go in the trench and work and it keeps the thing from caving in on you. So we, we rent all these things and they put in more sump pumps and they dig this trench all the way out to where it needed to be. And we're going across the big 24-inch enclosed irrigation pipe that's three-quarter full of water. And we're going across the big city main gas, natural gas line that's going through our trench. And we're you know digging across all these things. And uh, a big city electric line. So we've got gas, electric, and water all bridging the gap. And the sides of this trench keep falling off and falling off and falling off. What was supposed to be a 24-inch wide trench turned into a 16-foot wide cavern. Well, they had to do all kinds of 
things like a magician to keep, I mean, it was, no, like an engineer to keep the, the, those pipes from falling down and breaking. And, you know, they, they had a whole thing working, but it was just disaster. And so, because there was so much water and things were just all going as wrong as fast as they could, when they put in and connected the city sewer line, the big line and brought it all the way out into our, our subdivision, they couldn't really put a laser to it. Like each piece you should set and have a laser and make it all be exact on an exactly a correct grade and all this stuff. Well, they did the best they could, but they really were guessing. And they put this thing in, and because things were, were caving in so fast and moving around, they ordered some concrete trucks to come out, and they used what we called flow fill. It's basically like a, uh, it's, it's harder than dirt, but not as hard as concrete. And just poured the thing in place, and then covered it up with dirt, and uh, now it came time to test it. And so I... Understand, I did not know what I know today. I didn't know, I knew my words carried power, but I didn't know all the scripture verses that I know today that, that would give me the right to believe for the miracle that I needed, what I was about to need. And so I go out there, and the way you, you test something like that, you put a big round plug into the end of the pipe, and then you go to the other manhole, and you put a big round plug in the other end of the pipe, and you then charge the pipe up with air, with pressure, right? And it's supposed to hold that pressure for X amount of hours and not leak in order to pass inspection. Well, I couldn't even get it to build pressure. So something must be wrong, right? So, so I, I redo the plugs, I go to the other end, I, I use soapy water trying to find any leaks. I mean, I can't find anything and I can't get it to hold any pressure at all. And so I call up the inspector and I let him know what was going on. He said he'll come out and, and he'll, he'll try. I thought, well, maybe, you know, I'm just not doing something right. So he comes out. He says, yeah, that thing doesn't hold any pressure. And, um, and he says, I'll tell you what, tomorrow I'll bring out our camera and I'll run our camera through there and um, it can tell us everything, what grade it's on, everything. And maybe there's something that came unhooked in there and we can find the spot and figure out where it's at and dig right down to it to fix it. Well, the backstory that I didn't tell you is that we were doing all of this on our own money because the bank's loans had been frozen. And so they froze our construction loans. And so I emptied out my stock trading accounts and we were, we were finishing this on our money and we were coming to the end of our money. And so I did not have the finances available to me to tear it all out and start over. You know, we're renting heavy pieces of equipment that cost thousands. And so here we are, and I remember going home that night and crying out to the Lord, being in a desperate place. And just being in a place that I said, Lord, my only hope is You. My only hope is You. Lord, I'm asking You to fix that pipe. Make it hold pressure. Make it be right. And I know that's a ridiculous request. That's what I'm asking. I know that You're my only hope. I said I'd talk to you about Psalms 41. In that psalm, David is laying in the middle of defeat. He is on a sickbed. People have been walking by him and saying, boy, 
There's a sickness from the devil on him, from Belial on him. He's not going to even get off his bed. And all his enemies are rejoicing. And even some friends have joined in on this. And in the midst of all of this, and all, he makes a statement. He makes a statement that is full of faith while he's laying in the middle of defeat. He said this, he said, This I know. This I know that you delight in me. This I know that you delight in me. Even though his flesh doesn't feel delighted in at all. He's laying on a sick bed, not sure he's getting up. Or at least his enemies don't think he is. And he's saying, this I know, that you delight in me, Lord. Let's say that together. This I know, that you delight in me. And I remember just saying to the Lord, I know that you're good. And I know that your goodness knows no limit. And I need a miracle. So the next morning, the inspector comes out and he calls me. He leaves me a voice message. And um, he says, hey, uh, Mr. Rupp, he said, we went out there and ran the camera through that. And um, it's perfect. He said, the grade was the best grade I have ever seen someone put in. It was the most consistent I have ever seen. He said, we pressure tested it and it, it held pressure, I mean, like you wouldn't believe. It, it passed everything with flying colors. <laughs> I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I know now. The things that give me a right to stand on the Word. I was just desperate and cried out to the Lord. And I just knew that God is good. And that even in spite of my failed, my best efforts and failed efforts, in spite of all of it, you know, He delights in me. Someone say that. He delights in me. And then David went on and he finished that line. He says, he says, this I know that you delight in me. He goes, my enemy does not shout in triumph over me. And he's laying in bed sick. Is he looking at his current condition? No. He has his eyes entirely on something different. Where are you? Psalm 62 or Psalms 18? 18, alright. Psalm 18 is also found in 2 Samuel 22. This was a psalm that David, near the end of his life, he, he wrote this. And I want you to catch that part because this is after all his big, big mistakes. This is after committing murder, adultery. This is after all the, all the things that he did that were both good and bad. This is at the end of his life. He says, I love You, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock where I seek refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. If you look up these words rock and fortress and, and stronghold, one of these words means like a castle. One of these words means like on a, on a, a cliff. A, a castle or a tower that's built on the edge of a cliff. One of these words means extremely hard to get to. You ever see those castles that look extremely hard to get to? Like that one would be easy to defend, right? It's up on a mountain edge cliff. Like how could anyone ever attack that? 
He says, I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I was saved from my enemies. Now here's the thing that I want you to understand as we read through here. David wrote this about himself. David wrote this about himself, but it was also prophetic and about Jesus. As we read through here, you're going to see, oh yeah, that's about Jesus. Oh yeah. That was when He went and suffered for me. Oh yeah. And Jesus is the one, He is by the Spirit of the Lord writing in what Jesus is saying and going through. It says, the ropes of death were wrapped around me and the torrents of destruction terrified me. The ropes of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. I called to the Lord in my distress. Remember Jesus on the cross? Cries out to the Lord. He's got death surrounding Him, covering Him, where He's headed. He's headed there so that you and I don't have to. He says, I cried to God for my help. I cried to God. David's saying it. Jesus is saying it. I cried to God for my help. From His temple, He heard my voice. And my cry to Him reached His ears. Then the earth shook and quaked and the fountains of the mountain, foundations of the mountains trembled. They shook because He burned with anger. Smoke rose from His nostrils and consuming fire came from His mouth. Coals were set ablaze by it. He bent the heavens and came down. Total darkness beneath His feet. He rode on a cherub and flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his hiding place and dark storm clouds his canopy around him. Remember when Jesus was crucified? The ground split apart, earthquake, darkness, all these things happened. Verse 12, from the radiance of His presence, His clouds swept onward with hail and blazing coals. The Lord thundered from heaven. The Most High made His voice heard. He shot His arrows and scattered them. He hurled lightning bolts and routed them. The depths of the sea became visible. The foundations of the world were exposed. At Your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of the breath of Your nostrils. He reached down from on high and took a hold of me. He pulled me out of deep water. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. Think of the Lord saying this. You know, when He took on, when He became sin so that we could be made and become the righteousness of God, He took every sin you and I ever committed on Himself. On Himself. He never committed any, but He took it on Himself and became it. And so there's only one penalty for that. Separation from God and hellfire. And He paid the price. He went to hell for you and I. He suffered in hell so that you and I wouldn't have to. And if you think that's strange, there's plenty of Scriptures that say that. In Acts chapter 2, it mentions it several times. It talks about how God ended the pains of death for Jesus. What are the pains of death? After you die, you don't have pain anymore unless you're in a place of pain. It says He ended the pains of death. Well, because He rescued him out of there. And if you'll look at it, it ne- and the Word never says Jesus resurrected Himself. It always specifies that God resurrected Jesus. That God the Father sent His Spirit and delivered Jesus out of that place. And so you can imagine, well, where is hell? I don't know, in the bowels of the earth, somewhere. That's how it's referred to in Scripture. And we know that if if the Spirit of the Lord comes and Well, I imagine that God the Father would have been a bit angry seeing Jesus, the innocent one, suffering for you and I. 
for our punishment. He didn't do it. He didn't deserve it. And it's His Son. I'll bet He was a little bit little bit irritated and riled up and smoke and fire are coming out of places. And it says the foundations of the earth are split open. And I believe that's what it's talking about when He came up and brought Him out of there. Because, see, He rescued me from a powerful enemy that's too powerful for me. From those who hated me. For they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity. But the Lord was my support. He brought me out to a spacious place. Someone say that. He brought me out to a spacious place. I don't care the problem in the mountain that you're facing right now. It doesn't matter when it compares to what the Lord will bring you out to. He'll bring you out to a spacious place. He brought me out to a spacious place. He rescued me because He delighted in me. There it is again. He delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. Right? Jesus was righteous. Listen to these next lines. He repaid me according to the cleanness of my hands. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not turned from my God to wickedness. Indeed, I let all His ordinances guide me and have not disregarded His statutes. I was blameless toward Him and kept myself from iniquity. So the Lord repaid me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in His sight. This can be nobody except Jesus. With the faithful, you prove yourself faithful. That's what He says. With the blameless, you prove yourself blameless. With the pure, you prove yourself pure. But with the crooked, you prove yourself shrewd. You know, because of Him, you and I are the blameless. So we can be 100% confident that we're blameless in His sight. That we're righteous in His eyes. That we stand before Him with nothing between us. Because the blood of Jesus is more than a match for any of your sins. Verse 27, for you rescue an oppressed people, but you humble those with haughty eyes. Lord, you light my lamp. I like that. Let's say that to him. Lord, you light my lamp. My God illuminates my darkness. With you, I can attack a barricade. And with my God, I can leap over a wall. See, I say, with my God, I can climb Mount Kilimanjaro. He sets my feet in the high places. See, there's Bible verses for what I'm about to do. Verse 30, God, His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord is pure. He is a shield to all who take refuge in Him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is a rock? Only our God. God, He clothes me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me securely on the heights. He trains my hands for war. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand upholds me and your humility exalts me. You make a spacious place beneath me for my steps and my ankles do not give way. Listen, if you're, if you're facing a physical fight, then by all means, believe these Verses for a physical fight, right? He trains my hands for war. He shows me what to do. If, especially our safety team, you, you take these verses and you speak them about yourself. He trains my hands for war. He shows me things that are yet to come. He teaches me how I should respond and what to look for. He alerts me to danger before it even arrives. And on and on. You speak to yourself that way. However, for most of us, we're not facing a physical fight. So I'm going to say it this way. The spiritual fights that you're in, you say the exact same things. He trains my hands for a war. He's more, more, He is more 
than any problem I could ever face. And He equips me to overcome every mountain that I comes my way. The same God of the mountaintop is the same God of the valley of the shadow of death. Verse 37. <clears throat> I pursue my enemies and overtake them. I do not turn back until they're wiped out. I crush them and they cannot get up. They fall beneath my feet. You have clothed me with strength for battle. You subdue my adversaries beneath me. You have made my enemies retreat before me. I annihilate those who hate me. They cry for help, but there's no one to save them. They cry to the Lord, but He does not answer them. I pulverize them like dust before the wind. I trample them like mud in the streets. You have freed me from the feuds among the people. You have appointed me the head of nations. A people I had not known serve me. Foreigners submit to me, cringing as soon as they hear they obey me. Foreigners lose heart and come trembling from their fortifications. You know, there's Scripture for this about Jesus. It says every, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Whether they do now, whether they do or don't, doesn't affect that there's a day coming where they will. Every knee will. At that great judgment, every knee will, will bow. Every tongue will confess. Why is that important? Because I want you to not just think of David saying these things, but recognize that every devil, every demon, every foul spirit is included in these enemies. Don't look at people as your enemy. Look at the spirit that's driving them as the enemy. There are people that you know you have to deal with. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying too often we look at, at the person rather than the spirit behind it. Verse 46. David has just wrote himself, he's wrote a song to the Lord, and he has just got himself happy. And he comes down to the bottom of this and he's talking about the victory and how victory is just like the enemies are just dust beneath his feet. And he just shouts out, the Lord lives! Blessed be my rock! Let's, let's try that on for size. The Lord lives! Blessed be my rock! The Lord lives! Blessed be my rock! Jesus is alive! The God of my salvation is exalted. God, He grants me vengeance and subdues people under me. He frees me from my enemies. You exalt me above my adversaries. You rescue me from violent men. Therefore, I will give thanks to You. I will give thanks to You among the nations, Lord. I will sing praises about Your name. Or I will sing praises to Your name. I'm just going to sing about You, Lord. Right? He's got Himself shouting victory. He's got Himself praising the Lord. He says this, He gives great victories to His King. He shows loyalty to His anointed, to David and His descendants forever. Jesus sits on a throne as the descendant of David. Upon the throne of David. He sits there forever. Alright? That's His throne. And that throne is going to be occupied by Jesus Christ the King until. Just until. But notice what He said. He shows loyalty to His anointed. Who, who are His anointed? Jesus is the anointed. And if Jesus the anointed one resides in you, that means the anointing is in you. It means the anointed one 
is part of you. And the anointed, someone say, that's me. That's me. He shows loyalty. God shows loyalty. He gives great victories to His King. He shows loyalty to His anointed. To David and His descendants forever. To David and His descendants. The descendants that come through Jesus. The descendants that are part of the rock. Forever. Forever. Even after even after being defeated. Even after laying on the sickbed. Even after I believed for a miracle and it didn't happen. And we don't understand why. Even after all of those defeats. He's faithful to His Word forever. That's the only thing that I know to go back to. He's faithful to His Word forever. He's faithful to His anointed forever. Not a thousand generations. Forever. Which brings me to Psalm 62. You can just listen to this. I'm probably going to have you repeat some of it with me. He says this. He says, I am at rest in God alone. Let's say that. Say it to the Lord. I am at rest in You alone. I am at rest in God alone. Make that your declaration right now. I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. Go ahead and just repeat it. He alone is my rock. And my salvation. He is my stronghold. I will never be shaken. He alone is my rock. Nobody else. Not my strength. Not my might. Not my finances. Not my skills. He alone is my strength. He is my rock. He is my salvation. He goes on and he says this, and let's just keep doing that. I rest in God alone. For my hope comes from Him. My expectation comes from Him. I am confident in You, Lord. I am confident that You are delighted in Me. I am the apple of Your eye. Your Word is the apple of my eye. And I abide in You. And You abide in Me. So therefore, whatever I ask, in the name of Jesus, I will have it. He alone is my rock and my salvation and my stronghold. I will not be shaken. My salvation and glory depend on God. He is my strong rock. My refuge is in God. And then he says this. Trust in Him at all times. You people. The people, are you listening? He wrote these words down so that you and I could read them tonight. Trust in Him at all times. Say, I trust in You, Lord. All the time. I trust in You, Lord. I trust in You, Lord. I trust in You, Lord. And then he says this. He says, trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before Him. God is our refuge. 
God is our refuge. If you're in a place that you're like, I, I don't know what to say or do, I, you know what? Just pour out your heart to the Lord. It's alright to get down in the carpet and to ugly cry. It's okay. Pour out your heart to the Lord. Let Him come in with the oil of gladness and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Let Him pick you up from the mire, from the, from the rut. Let Him bring strength back into you. Let Him encourage you. Someone say, God is our refuge. Selah. That means stop and think about it. Selah. He goes on and he says, God has spoken once, and I've, I've heard this twice, or He's spoken once and I heard these two things, you could say. These are the two things He heard. Strength, or the word is power. Strength belongs to God. And faithful love, it's the word for mercy or loving kindness, also means compassion. I'm going to put in mercy tonight. And mercy belongs to you, Lord. This is what he heard the Lord say. Strength belongs to you, God. Loving kindness belongs to you, Lord. Mercy belongs to you. Faithful love. What is faithful love? It's faithful. Even when you feel unlovely. Or even when you feel weak. Or defeated. Or tired. Or overcome. Or like, what's the point? Didn't work the last ten times. What am I doing wrong? What should I do? Take a hold of the handle just a little bit tighter. Step back. Take another swing. The Word of God works when you work it. Work it. Work it. There's a song like that that we sing, right? The Word of God is true and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it can smash rocks. And it can break through. And the Lord can open up doors where there is no door. He can open up wombs where there is no womb, thinks Sarah. He can make a way where there is no way. He can bring miracles out of nothing. He can cause water to be able to walk on it. He can float away on a cloud. Who's tried that one? Nothing is too hard for Him. I mean, there are things that God can't do. Did you know that? He can't lie. So if He can't lie, that means what He said. John, could you lead us in the chorus, or the verse and then the chorus? Ben sings my soul. Start. I invite you to stand with me. Worship team, you can come. While they're doing that, Jonathan, Layman, can I pray for you? Would you come up here please? Because we're going to need it. I'm going to pour anointing oil on you, Jonathan, for two reasons. That the oil of gladness will saturate you in your home. That the Holy Spirit, the God of all hope, confident expectation overshadow you in your home and the oil is a type of the Holy Spirit while we don't have answers for everything and I also know that the Lord says that he is the God of all comfort so so I'm doing this tonight thank you Lord I just anoint you right now Jesus Jesus I call out to You, Lord. You are our hope. 
You are our comfort. You are our gladness. You are the restorer of things stolen. And I anoint you with the oil of gladness. I anoint you with the oil of comfort. I give you peace. I give you health. I give you life and hope. Revelation. Clearness of thought. Clearness of mind. There's a lot that I don't know. But this I know. This I know. That He delights in you. This I know. That He's pleased with you. Say that with me. This I know. That He delights in me. This I know. That He delights in me. Thank You, Lord, for delighting in me. I worship You, Lord. For You are good. Your mercy endures forever. Your faithful love goes to all generations. So that's me, Lord, and my future generations. I thank You for future generations. I thank You for generations that have not yet come into existence. Thank You that You call the dead womb alive. Thank You that You call things into existence that don't exist. I bless You, Lord. I bless You. I exalt You. I worship you. Sometimes when we do things, even at the Lord's instruction and the Lord's leading, that we set out to do a thing and, and then it all just falls to shambles around us. Doesn't seem like it went right. Maybe I misheard from the Lord. Maybe I'm out of the wit of the Lord. Maybe I'm just off in Looneyville. I don't know. It all went wrong, right? Let me read something to you. These two guys are on a missionary trip and, and they were walking around and this fortune-telling girl was causing them some trouble day after day and so they cast the devil out of her. And the guys that owned this slave girl were pretty upset because their money, source of money, had just dried up. And so this is what, what happened. They, they got a whole crowd together and they attacked these two men. These guys' names were Paul and Silas. And the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them beaten with rods. This isn't just a light beating. beating. Beaten with rods generally breaks bones. After they had severely flogged them, not just lightly, severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. He put him into the part of the prison that people don't come back out of. After they have just suffered colossal defeat. They went there to preach the gospel, now stuck in a tiny jail cell with nobody to preach to. They went there to do the work of the Lord, just absolutely suffered defeat, loss, just not victory. Okay? The opposite of everything they'd hoped and dreamed was going to happen. And they're sitting there in the dark. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret. If you get before the Lord, even in the middle of your defeat, if you'll get before the Lord and you'll pray, you can't spend a lot of time in the presence of God before it's going to turn to singing. 
it's going to turn to rejoicing. So in the middle of their massive defeat, just, I mean, defeated, defeated, in prison, they're praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And Paul begins to sing. And I don't know what he's singing, but, but he's pretty happy. He's singing to the Lord, hymns to the Lord. He's not happy because of his circumstances. He's not happy because of some victory he's just experienced. He's not that kind of joy, I mean, happy singing. It's a singing that comes out from a place of joy in the Lord. From a place of realizing that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And he says, Lord, you are great. And Silas goes, yeah, you are really good, Lord. And then they back and forth and they begin to sing. And they worship in the Lord, and they're worshiping the Lord. And the Lord begins to get really excited at what's happening. And He begins to shake the place. Shake the place. Shake the place. And they start hearing a sound and a rumbling and a jingling and a jangling and doors swing open and chains fall off of everyone, but the building's still standing. And a church gets planted. The very thing they'd gone to do now comes to pass. People get saved. There's a revival in the jail. There's a revival in the jailer's household. There's a church planted that later goes on and, and becomes huge. In the middle of their defeat, listen to me, in the middle of their defeat, if you'll worship the Lord, if you'll bless the Lord, if you'll sing hymns to Him, that is the kind of ground that the Lord just gets excited and shakes heaven and shakes the building and miracles happen. Yeah. A precision earthquake that breaks chains off of you, that's a miracle. That's, and the walls are still standing, miracle. So I'm going to encourage you. Is it possible to start in the middle of that song? Because we're on a track. Can we go back to where we were beggars, we were free, or, and just start there? And let's yeah. sing the back end of that song again. Think of Paul and Silas, utter defeat, and they're singing that. They're, they're singing to the one that victory's nothing to. Victory's very possible. Father, we just declare that this is your church. We ask you, Lord, to have your way in this house completely, in every life, in every person. 
But Lord, in what we do together, what we focus on, and what we look at as corporately, as a group, Father, we submit our plans to You. We yield ourselves to You, to Your direction, to Your guidance, to Your leadership. And we recognize You as Lord, as King, as Master. And Father, we ask You to come within and upon this house. Father, every one of the people here that need a fresh infilling of Your Spirit, that right now, You come in and on them and fill them with the Spirit of God. Just a word of encouragement from the Lord tonight. He's the one that gave you breath in your lungs. When that breath is gone, you're gone. So that breath produces a sound. Tonight there was a sound. A sound that we produced into the heavens. It was a sound of praise. A sound of worship. A sound of honor and magnifying the Lord. All of us, all of us together created a sound that heaven heard. And we get to choose what sound comes from us, yeah, what yeah. emulates from us on a daily basis. The Israelites chose the sound of complaining and murmuring, and they never entered into the promise that God had for them. That choice is given to each and every one of us every day of our life in the storm, not in a storm, whatever it may be, we get to choose what sound we want to bring heavenward from the very breath that God gave each one of us. Let it be the sound of praise. Let it be the sound of worship. Choose whom you will serve and serve the almighty God, the rock, the everlasting rock, the one who gives you breath so that you can praise. You get to choose. It's your choice. You're not a victim to something that takes you over and makes you do anything. But you get to choose. Thank you, Lord, for choice. My brother here, he come to me and he, he explained to me. Come up here and let's look at everyone. And he said that, he said, you know, I set out to do a thing. And to build a house, and I build it on the, on the ground, unlike the wise man who built it on the rock. And he said, I want to come back to the good foundation. And I want to be the kind of man that God has called me to be. And I think, I think all of us, from time to time, find ourselves there. That we've gotten away from being rooted and grounded on the rock. Right? So... Tim is your name. Okay. So I'm going to pray for him and I'm going to do two things. I'm going to lead you in a confession of just you coming back to the rock to be built as a firm foundation there. Because there's things that God wants to do in your life and he's going to do them if you're willing. All right. The other thing I'm going to ask is for the Lord to just fill you with his spirit because if you're going to be the man he's called you to be, you're going to need the Holy Spirit to empower you to do it, right? And I know that you're familiar with Jesus as your Lord and with the Holy Spirit already. But He never turns us away when we come and 
we say, Lord, mold me into your image. Make me into your image. Father, I thank you right now that you just encounter him in a way that's unique and individual to him. And why don't you just repeat after me. Say, Lord, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Every plan. Every plan. Every part. Every part. All the ways I thought it should be. All the ways I thought it should be. I ask for your will to be done in my life. I ask for your will to be done in my life. Give me the knowledge of your will. Give me the knowledge of your will. Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, you are my Lord. I submit to you. I submit to you. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Fill me completely. Fill me completely. Father, take out of me what doesn't belong. Father, take out of me what does not belong. And fill me with what I what you want me to be full of. And fill me with what you want me to be for love. Father, I thank you right now that you just come over him and overshadow him with your Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit within and upon you in a mighty name of Jesus. With revelation and understanding of your plan of the God's plan and his purpose for you. That you would walk it out with grace and with honor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. Is there anyone else here that you wanted uh, either prayer publicly or you wanted people to agree with you in prayer for something? If that's you, just lift your hand real high. This house is full of believers and um, I don't see any hands. Did, did, uh, if you see a hand, shout it out because I don't see any. All right, one way that we love God in this house is... <laughs> okay, come over here, honey. What do you want prayer for? All right, she wants prayer for a complete healing, right? Amen. Amen. And a working yes. pancreas. And a doctor's report that matches what we believe. which would mean coming right off of insulin. That'd be a miracle. That's a miracle we've been standing on and believing for for a while. And we're just going to take another swing. And take another swing. And hit that log until it flies apart. Father, I thank you right now for your healing power. I thank you that you've brought healing to Adele in the name of Jesus. That you've provided it 2,000 years ago. So pancreas... You make insulin. You be formed and renewed. Immune system, you respond properly to her pancreas. Body, every part, every cell, every atom. You function in the way that the Lord Jesus created you to function. And I give you life, health, and peace and deliverance from this cursed, wretched disease. In Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. I receive it. Freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom from disease. The law of the spirit of life sets me and my children free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah! What would you like?
want God to use me, I'm available to God. Just I wanted to, I want to serve God, but I don't know how. But I'm not just gonna pray or sing. God can show me the way. All right. So you're submitted and you're willing yes. to His plan, to His way. So what we, what you need is, is wisdom and revelation, that His will would be made revealed to you so that you know the step to take, right? All right, give me your hands. Father, I thank you right now that you said that if we lack wisdom, that we should ask you for it. So Lord, I ask you for wisdom for Sarah. Father, that you overshadow her and fill her with the knowledge of your will, of what you would do in and through her to the nations, Lord. I thank you for bringing to her awareness what you desire. Father, in the moments that she begins to, to question or waver, Lord, or wonder, what should I do, Lord, that in the still small voice on the inside of her, that you would bring to her attention, bring to her awareness, bring to her realization, your will, your plan, your purpose, the destiny which you created her for. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you have it. So, so the next time that the thought comes, but I don't know what, stop yourself right there. Say, thank you, Lord, for revealing to me what you want me to do. And make that your confession, and you're going to know before you know it. Know before you know it. See, it's knowing it first on the inside, and then it comes to the head. All right, you can be seated. Hallelujah. That's how we have church, right? That's how we have church. We, how many love the Lord? Yeah. All right. So one of the ways we show that is we, we love on each other. We check up on each other. How are you doing? Is there anything I can do for you? You bless each other. All right. So be blessed as you go or as you stay. everyone. Thank you so much for coming tonight. We really appreciate that you're here. Amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm glad you're here tonight. Aren't you glad that your neighbor came tonight? <laughs> Amen. Alan, we're glad you're here tonight. <laughs> I'd like to encourage you in our time of worship, which is really the whole evening. It's not just when we sing, it's our attention that we give to the Lord, you know, uh, listening to the sermon and receiving it, embracing a good word from the Lord personally, all that's worship. So, but in Psalms 100, Psalms 18, there's so much good stuff in this Psalm. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. I will, I will love you, Lord, my strength. While, while I'm reading this, think about what the Lord is and think about what he's done for you in these verses. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. He is my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from all of my enemies. For you will light my lamp. 
The Lord my God will encamp, enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for my God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer and sets me on the high places. He teaches my hands to do war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You also have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand has upheld me and your gentleness has made me great. You enlarge my path under me so that my feet do not slip. Therefore, now that therefore is there because of everything that was just said. Therefore, I will give thanks to my God, O Lord, among all the Gentiles. I will give thanks. How about you? Will you give thanks? We will give thanks unto the Lord and sing praises to his name. Why, he's so worthy. He's so good. He's so faithful. He is so worthy of all our praise and thanks. Amen. Well, let's stand up and do that together as the family of God tonight. Amen. your presence. We say have your way tonight. Your will be done. Your kingdom come into this place in a mightier way than before. changed forever. Hallelujah! Woo! (laughs) Now Karen doesn't realize this at all, unless the Lord told her. But I didn't tell her. I plan on reading the entirety of Psalms 18 to you tonight, in the sermon. And she, she took off and read part of it to you. So, there are things in Psalms 18 tonight that are for you and I. And if you are serving somewhere else in the building tonight, if you're in children's church or somewhere that you cannot hear the sermon, afterwards make sure you listen to the sermon because it's going to minister to you. Amen? 
All right, we'll send the children to their classes and the people that are serving the Lord to theirs. Why don't you go ahead and greet each other? Good evening, everyone. We're glad you're with us tonight. Looks like y'all are glad you're here, too. It's good to be together again. We'd like to welcome you if you're here for the very first time. So if you're here, this is your first time at CWI, can just raise your hand so we can recognize you over here. Good to have you with us tonight. We're glad you're with us. We trust you're going to be ministered to. Yes, our ushers will bring a card to you. I'm over here front. Yeah, can you raise your hand again so they can see you? They're going to bring you a card, just an information card for us. If you want to fill that out and put it in the offering basket. Um, when it goes by. Also, if you need a cash envelope for your giving, raise your hands. Our ushers will bring one to you. Uh, do fill out all of the blanks. If, you give, if you're giving by credit card, if you're making out a check, you can make it out to CWI. And we're going to remember tonight, as we return the tithe to the Lord, we're going to remember that he's our deliverer. That he's the strength of our life. And we're going to rejoice because he, because he is good. So in Psalms 33, the Lord had me in Psalms 2 tonight. So Psalms 33, verse 12, we're going to read some scripture here. It says, uh, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. There is not one thing that escapes the Lord's eye. Not one detail of your life, not one thing that's taken place down here. He sees it all. All right. Verse 16 says, No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Now, I know there's probably some military general somewhere that says no timeout. We won because we had more. We won because we had more tanks or more missiles or, or aircrafts or whatever, whatever they have. I don't study into that stuff too much. But no, this says here, it says, no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his strength. I don't care what they say. This is true. The Lord is our deliverer. The Lord is the reason for our success. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Doesn't that just comfort you? The Lord is watching you, you who fear the Lord. The Lord is watching you. It says his eye is on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. What it's saying is, is if you are an individual who is hoping in his goodness, because that unfailing love is also translated goodness, kindness, mercy. If you are an individual that is hoping, expecting in his goodness, and that because of his goodness, you will be delivered from death and provided for in famine, that's, that pleases him. He's watching. He notices. He sees that. Verse 20 says, We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. 
Say that. Say, he's my help. He's my shield. In him, our hearts rejoice. Do you rejoice in him tonight? You rejoice in his goodness. Rejoice in his protection and his provision. It says, may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. I just want to stir you up in that tonight, that the Lord is the strength of your life. The Lord is your deliverer. The Lord is your provision. And he wants, he gets excited. It pleases him when you expect to see his goodness, his kindness. All right, well, let's take a hold of your tithe and let's offer that to the Lord. Father, we just give you praise tonight for your unfailing love towards us, for your goodness, your kindness, your mercies, which are new every morning. We're so grateful to you and the many ways that you have delivered us in the past, and I know that you will in the future. Lord, the way you've delivered our souls from death, the way that you have restored us to relationship with you through through Jesus Christ, Lord, we're so grateful for that you are the strength of our life, that we can count on you no matter what we come up against. You have the answers, and we just trust in you. We put our hope in you. We thank you for that protection. And so we gladly return the tithe to you, and we thank you for the provision. We thank you for the protection. In Jesus' name, and amen. Amen. The ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. All right, well, if you haven't signed up already for our new home group series that's starting uh, this week, sorry, that this week? That's next week. That's this week. All right, if you'd read the bulletin, it would say January 23rd. <laughs> so anyways, if you didn't sign up yet, you still can. There'll be sign-up sheets downstairs, and we're doing a series, Honor to Whom Honor, by Keith Moore. The Ghana Initiative Mission Trip Meeting is Sunday, January 30th at Troy and Rebecca's home. So if you are interested in being a part of that, talk to Troy so they know who to plan on. Uh, February 7th is the Cup of Joe meeting. Monday here at the church, or is that still here at the church? Does that change? Okay. All right. Uh, if you're interested in attending that, you can get more information by, uh, through Jim Everhart. So look out, look to talk to Jim about that. Also, LTS orientation is January 29th. Um, it is a at-home Bible school, if you will. There's only two nights, uh, two nights, two days a month. So a Saturday a month and a Monday night a month. And so it's just a really great way to really get tools in your, get tools to help you walk out your purpose, to strengthen your relationship with God and just be all that you can be for him. So I highly encourage it. Um, Kelly, it says orientation is January 29th. That's at church. Is it before church? After church? Oh, it's here in the cafe in the morning. Okay, because it, I don't think it says here. So those that are interested, you'll have already told them. Okay. Talk to Kelly if you would like more information about that. All right. A few things that I want to mention and uh, go over before we get into this teaching for tonight, <clears throat> or teaching, or preaching. I'm not sure how it's going to come out yet, but the Lord knows. And, um, you know, expect that God will use man to speak truth to you, but don't look at the man as the source of it. Put your faith to the Lord. Put your expectancy on the Lord, and then He can speak through a donkey if need be, right? And so... Uh, 
So we're going to believe and look to Him as our teacher, as our um, revealer tonight. I want to uh, make you aware of a need that we have in the body. Many of you know who Jim Wolf is, Jim and Deb. Is Deb here tonight? Okay, she is here. She is, uh, here she comes in the door. Hello, Deb. She is one of our usherettes. And um, when I get, when I, when I grow up, I'm going to have white hair like her, a big, thick head of white hair like her. It's amazing. Anyway, her husband, Jim, as many of you know, um, had, had, had some health complications, was at the hospital, was moved to um, a assisted care facility. And so now they are looking to bring him home. And, but he still needs care. And so she's been talking with her family and different members there and how they're going to accomplish this because he still needs pretty much full-time care. And um, she has Tuesdays and Thursdays, is that correct? A need still from 12 noon till 5 p.m. for someone to be there and to care for him. Now, we're not asking you to donate your time. Um, if, you, if this is something that interests you, uh, then... Um, we can talk about payment and all of that, but we do, we do are looking for someone to be able to step in that role and serve in that way. I don't know what all is required, so do speak to Debbie if you have questions about whether that could be you or not. You know, one of the things that about Jim and Deb that just blessed me so much was some of you here remember Dan and Betty Stolzfus, right? And uh, so for years, they were a part of this work and, and they were in the prayer ministry. They had, uh, but they got up in age to where they couldn't drive anymore. And so Jim and Deb gave them a ride to church weekend after weekend after weekend. They made sure it happened or meetings, whatever it was, they would bring them to, to the meetings and they just sewed out of their heart. And I was thinking about everything that the need that Jim has. And I'm like, you know what? He sowed to someone. He sowed for someone to help him because he helped someone. And so I encouraged Deb. I said, you know what? Let's put our faith to it. The Lord, He responds to what we do, right? To what we have done in the past. And so I know that there are answers for that. Or maybe if it's not you, maybe you have someone that you could suggest that would be available. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, 12 to 5. And you, myself, or to Deb, but Deb's going to have more answers on, on what's... Also, the, the, this week we begin on Sunday, well, yeah, next week our home groups start. If you have not signed up for one yet, and you plan on attending one, be sure to do that. You can find the sign-up table downstairs. And um, we like, even, even the ones that always come, and they always go to the same group, we'd like for you to sign up if that's what you're intending to do. And then each home group can be properly prepared for you.